0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, we've talked about exercise before, but we haven't talked about why we let ourselves get duped year after year, decade after decade, and in this case... Century after century by Fitness Fads.
3: Yeah, we have been talking about fitness and exercise quite a lot since it is January. And in our research for uh, podcasts on things like New Year's resolutions and our previous sweaty history of the American gym, we ran across lovely (laughs) and sometimes not so lovely reminders of Fitness fads, and I'm not just talking about like Jane Fonda and jazzer sizing, but weird contraptions?
2: Things, yeah. Butt sculptors. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a picture of a man using a butt sculptor. He's, he's standing, he's standing, and there's this contraption sort of around him, and he's wearing a full suit. Uh, so it, it really wasn't sweat inducing. But yeah, things, things that were scary looking and could potentially hurt your organs, as we'll talk about, (laughs) with one particular fad.
3: Well, and essentially what we found out was that since ancient times, of course, we're going to harken back to the Greeks. Those Greeks. The Greeks who were exercise-loving, in the nude, exercise-loving folks. Um, Since the Greek times, the Greek times, that makes it sound like... The times of those naked Greeks. Yes, those naked Greeks. (laughs) Back since then... People have been building uh, tools to assist with exercise. Yeah. We've never been like a very Pilates minded <laughs> species where it's like we just use our body as a, like a
2: resistance band. We just can jog. No, we always need things. Well, because if you buy something or in the case of the Greeks, make something. I mean, obviously you're going to get more fit, right?
3: Well, the Greeks obviously thought so because we have them to thank for something called a halteries, which is a semicircular chunk of rock with a hole in it that inspired the dumbbell and the kettleball.
2: Yeah, they couldn't just do push-ups. No.
3: They were like, oh, we need to be strong
2: men. Well, I
3: wonder if it has to do with, because uh, you said strong men, I wonder if it has to do with some kind of masculinity masculinity construct around like feats of strength. Could be. You know, it wasn't just, they could just do, either do push-up contest till the sun goes down or pick up a rock. They could see a, hello Theseus,
2: <laughs> can you pick up that rock? I sure can, Perseus. No, I picture, I picture one guy like walking around outside of the gymnasium. Naked. And, naked, and he's standing there with his hands on his hips and he's like, I really need to show this guy up. I-, I need to show this guy that I'm fit. And so I just picture him like with a side eye looking at the other Greek guy and he like picks up a rock and the other Greek guy's like, Oh well, I can do that and he picks up a bigger rock and then it's just like pandemonium, they just continue to pick up big rocks until they're the fittest men in the gymnasium.
3: See, I imagine like one of those guys walking out and putting <laughs> his hands on his hips and thinking, I I should have worn a loincloth. <laughs> but that's just me. There is a breeze.
2: Well moving forward, we, uh, we have a German guy to thank for, for gymnastics. I had no idea. So the German father of gymnastics is Friedrich Ludwig Jahn. He invented the parallel bars, rings, and balance beam. And this actually, like, catapulted a huge movement in in the universe. We mentioned in the universe, (laughs) yes.
3: No, we mentioned this in our gym history podcast, how there were these people who left Germany and brought gymnastics to the United States. And all of a sudden, like, gymnastics was cool. And this was
2: in, I think, the late 1800s. I believe. That's quite an import. Yes. And wasn't there something like uh, the Germans didn't want uh, an outbreak of gymnastics to happen? There was something about like they were afraid of, of the young people getting too nationalistic.
3: Oh, I don't know about that. I, As far as I know, it was the opposite in the United States where they yeah. wanted to get gymnastics programs into every school because the American children were <laughs> too soft. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly right. There are lots of impressions for this episode of Stuff Mom Never
2: Told You. Do you have one for Jack LaLanne? No, I don't. Well, we also talked about Jack LaLanne in our, in our fitness episode, our sweaty gym history one. In the 1950s, so, so J- Jack LaLanne was this big fitness guy, right? And he was the, the father of, you know, he had the first exercise TV show and, and whatnot. But in the 1950s... There was a little old thing called Jack LaLanne's Glamour Stretcher. I love that name. It does sound wonderful.
3: Yeah, it was the first elastic band used for resistance training. And here we go with some gendered marketing. Listen up, ladies. It was marketed to women for, quote, a lovelier, more exciting figure. I wonder if by exciting they mean hourglass. I mean, that's also the interesting thing about fitness fads in particular As distinct from just straight up exercise, where it's always been sort of a a gender equal game in terms of there have always been products hawked both at women, especially like things like glamorizers and Mm -hmm. fat dissolvers, et cetera, and at men. But men's obviously have been more focused on like building hulking muscles, doing things like American bodybuilder Charles Atlas's 13 lesson course. And bodybuilding
2: that is still going strong. And why wouldn't you trust a man with the name Atlas? I know. He holds up the world. <laughs> uh, in the 1970s, I love it. This is when the, the roller skating trend happens. The short shorts and the Farrah Fawcett hair and the little roller skate. I would not have been uh, very fit in the 1970s, for no. I
3: am a terrible roller skater. Obviously, there. no, I'm going to say that is the only way to <laughs> to exercise in the 1970s. I, I can roller blade. I'm clearly a
2: child of my generation because I can rollerblade, but I cannot roller skate. I told you about the time I ended up under the vending machine, right? When I was roller skating? No. I I tried to stop myself and I couldn't. So I just full speed jumped off of the the rink and onto the carpeted area and my feet went up and I went back and I shot under the vending machine. And this family just like nobody offered to help. They just all laughed at me. That sounds like something from America's Funnel (laughs)
3: Film Videos, and I would have voted for it, (laughs) as would have Bob Saget. That's almost validating. And then in the 1980s, as we also mentioned in our gym podcast, we have the emergence of aerobics, the coining of the term aerobics. And all of a sudden, everyone was putting on their high-cut leotards and sweating to the now oldies. (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, that, that's an okay trend. I mean, if we're talking yeah. about as far as fads go, like there are things out there that, as we'll talk about, have been yanked off the market. People have been sued. People have been injured. But aerobics and even roller skating, as silly as it is, like at least they get your heart rate up. That's
3: true. Um And nowadays, while we were poking fun earlier at things like glamour stretchers and butt shapers, this stuff is still weird. We still like, you know, people are still coming up with bizarre fitness tools. And also, of course, technology is now playing a huge role. There are video games apps. Do we need to mention the Wii Fit? Um, I was actually, I
2: did I did Wii Bowling one time and was sore.
3: That's not on the Wii Fit. <laughs> was it your wrist? It was my shoulder. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> Maybe you should then take a Zumba class. I have. It is exhausting. Yeah. Is it do you just dance? You dance. I took a class from a, a woman who can only be described as a pirate because she had really big hair and a gold tooth and wore red lipstick and she had like a she wore tight gym clothes but then had like some kind of little sari tied around her waist and she I I'm moving for Kristen's benefit. You guys can't see. I'm picturing sleep. Charo
3: <laughs> teaching a Zumba class. Yeah, it was special. Um, well, I would also like to see that woman wielding a shake weight, perhaps. Let me take a moment to... uh, Who invented the shake weight?
2: Somebody who knew that he or she could sucker a lot of people. Yeah. But I think, you know what? Honestly, I don't know that anyone's ever bought a shake weight in a serious effort to improve their muscles.
3: Yeah, it was either a misguided exercise fiend or a comedian who invented the shake weight. I'm not sure. If you don't know what a shake weight is...
1: Get started today at betterhelp.com slash momstuff. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode is brought to you by China. The
0: Chinet brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness.
1: Yes, and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we, we just had a, a lovely conversation. Um, it was really fun.
0: Yeah, and I'm, with the disposable products, I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers
1: and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. China products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup.
3: Don't wait, call today. <laughs> um, then there's also the body blade. Carly, can you describe what a body blade is? Please? It's
2: like this big pole thing or like a blade looking ski item kind of thing. And you, you hold it above your head and you shake it. And so the oscillating requires you to use your massive amount of strength to stop it.
3: It's such a trend with all these, the belts that cause the shaking that's supposed to shake the fat away. The shake weight, the body blade. There's a strange thing in the human brain that thinks <laughs> that we can just shake, just shake calories
2: away. It's not true. Apparently, we can also hoop them away. Weighted hula hooping is all the rage, apparently.
3: Yeah, this actually, though, has um some merit. Uh, 2008, fun fact for avid <laughs> hula hoopers out there, that was the 50th anniversary of the hula hoop, but if you don't want to risk the embarrassment of being caught hula hooping in your backyard. There is a wee Fit version of it. And there are even gym classes with weighted hula hoops. And a trainer and spokesman, Jim White, for the American Dietetic Association, uh, says that the hula hoop actually can give you a decent workout. But if you're a beginner, I love this advice, <laughs> stick with a normal hoop so you don't pull a muscle. And he also said that women are far likelier to be able to hoop well. Jim, 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 Jim. I feel like that's a little (laughs) bit of a gendered assumption.
2: I've seen guys hoop. I don't think... I am
3: the worst hooper. I'm not the best hooper. I have met a professional hooper, though, who traveled with jam bands. And not only did she make an impressive living off of hooping with LED lit hula hoops,
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: she also had some funny
2: stories to tell, as you can imagine. I'm sure... But that's not wiping away the skeptical look on my face.
3: <laughs> well, raise your eyebrow a little bit more, Caroline Irvin, because we're going to talk about stripper sizing. Are we? Yeah, I feel like this also could merit its own podcast because not only at first it was just like, oh, pole dancing could be taught as an exercise class. And I get that. That takes some upper body strength to hoist yourself up a pole, I assume. do the spin. Spin. Yeah, and spin. I haven't tried. No. Nope. But I have also very little upper body strength. So I right. can imagine it would be difficult, says the person who's never successfully crossed the monkey bars. But <laughs> now there are lap dance classes you can take. There are stiletto workouts. I, I recently posted that on our Tumblr page, stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com, if you'd like to check it out. Like the newest, you know, and of course it's always in
2: New York. Always New York is... Put on stilettos, working out. <laughs> Perfect accent. Warning, stripper heels could lead to injury. And that's a warning I think that's good for everyone. Now on the opposite end of the spectrum though, strip from
3: stripper heels, barefoot
2: running. Yeah. What about that? Well people need to be careful with that. This is either literally like going running barefoot or buying those, what are they called? Like, they're called like finger shoes or something weird. I call them toe shoes. Well, cause toe shoes are ballet, right? Uh, but are Don't, they really? No, no, no. Those are point shoes. Oh lord.
3: Okay. Toe <laughs> shoes. Clearly, you are not a bunhead, Caroline. <laughs> but toe, <I'm laughs> toe
2: shoes are what non-ballerinas call point shoes. Okay. I'm closing the can of worms now. Um, yeah. Basically, they argue that we should run barefoot or in these shoes because our ancestors did not have fancy running shoes like Nikes. So that we should all go back to a time of barefoot running. But a lot of doctors and and physical therapists and everybody warn that you shouldn't just jump into this because you're probably, if you're like most people, used to walking in shoes of some type. So they do warn to be careful with such high energy or high impact exercises like running if you're going to do it barefoot.
3: Yeah, especially barefoot running on on those hard surfaces sounds like a recipe Trisand. for Try sand.
2: Just go to the Caribbean. Ooh. Find a beach uh-huh. and go running. I like that fitness fad.
3: <laughs> uh now speaking of shoes though, shoes are the reason why we initially did this podcast because a few listeners wrote in asking about toning sneakers in particular. And we were like, oh, yeah, toning sneakers, let's do that. And then it kind of exploded into oh well, wait, we have all these other fitness, questionable fitness things going on. And if you're not familiar with toning sneakers, they sort of resemble moon boots. <laughs> they, they're uh, tennis shoes that are marketed um, to enhance your, burn more calories, improve your buttocks tone and calf tone just by going about your daily business. You don't have to walk more or run, the, uh, the thickness of the, and I guess the angle of the, the tread on these, these toning sneakers supposedly just do the work for you, which anytime it comes to fitness and something says that it will just do the work Mm -hmm. for
2: you. Come on people. Mm -mm. Well, uh, you know who else is interested in these toning shoes? Kim Kardashian. Well, yes. But there's someone else, Kristen. Tell me. So these shoes are marketed to women, correct? Yes, but I have seen men in them. Yeah, my dad asked me, good old Chad asked me if I thought that toning sneakers worked. I, and a lot of people do.
3: I've heard some people, you know, say that they that they do in fact work. Maybe though, you're maybe more. That I was about to say that. Yeah, maybe it's kind of a thing of you have these toning sneakers, you assume they're going to work more, so you're going to put them on, and you're going to walk around a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Reebok and Skechers actually got in a lot of trouble. Uh Skechers in particular, I think was just trying to sell Kim Kardashian's butt.
3: Yeah, a to lot consumers. A lot of the And we're not trying to be crass, but a lot of the, again, with the gendered marketing of uh fitness products, the Skechers uh was an interesting case study because Kim Kardashian reality show star um was their spokesperson. For it, but it was more like a spokes butt because <laughs> since the Skechers were marketed to really um, tone the the calves and and the rear, all of the the I have no idea what the shoes look like because all of the advertisements just honed in on her, on her behind.
2: Yeah, well, Skechers ended up having to pay forty million dollars to settle, settle false ad claims in May twenty twelve. The money went to provide refunds to consumers. And David Vladek, who's the director of the uh, Federal Trade Commission's Bureau of Consumer Protection, said that the settlement is believed to be the FTC's largest ever involving consumer refunds. And the settlement was bigger than Reeboks, basically, because Skechers had more market share. And those those shoes are not cheap. The Skechers shoes ran $100 a pair. Yeah. And uh, flip-flops went for $60. So, it's, it's,
3: they kind of knew, it seems like, what they were doing. So, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, is on the lookout at least for these phony fitness fads.
2: Yeah. Well, you talked about like, you know, these these shoes are supposed to tone you. Well, Reebok, so Reebok uh in September 2011 faced the same the same music. They ended up having to pay 25 million in customer refunds to settle charges of deceptive advertising for their Easy Tone shoes. The FTC complaint Alleged that Reebok falsely claimed that using the shoes had proven to lead to 28% more strength and tone in your butt, 11% more strength and tone in your hamstrings, and 11% more strength in the calf muscles than using regular walking shoes. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know how they could come up with these numbers unless people really were actually just getting out and walking more regardless.
3: Yeah, and, um, With Skechers, though, to me, the the thing that I found to be the most disheartening was not so much false advertising um, towards adults, but their marketing of these shape-up shoes to the tween set. I found this post over at Sociological. Images and they had a screen grab from the animated commercial that shows a young girl, probably 13 years old. She's wearing her uh, her her tone ups and she's walking past boys dressed in a hot dog costume, a cupcake costume, and something that looks kind of like a, either a donut or a cake pop. I'm not entirely sure mm. it's a black and white picture. I would like to date a donut. <laughs> I would like a cake pop right now. <laughs> um, and it, it was such <laughs> troubling advertising because, okay, it, no, it's, it's not bad at all to say, hey, you know, exercise is good for you. Get off the couch and exercise, young person. But it was equating exercising with shunning food. It's like not only will you put on these shoes and walk your way to fitness, you will also walk your way to never eating junk food again. That's n- I don't those mess no, no. <laughs> hmm, that's a, I that's a lot. Oh, I can't even talk. Let's not let's not confuse our tweens. No, no. Talk about some some majorly false advertising. And the FTC is not just coming down though on toning shoes. No, no, the Ab Circle Pro. The body flex system. All these kinds of things they are cracking down on false fitness claims.
2: Yeah, the Ab Circle Pro pitchwoman said that it helped her lose 80 pounds and then launch a career as a fitness model. And here's what she said. She said you can either do 30 minutes of abs and cardio or just three minutes a day. The choice is yours. And I feel like that's what sucks all these people into these fitness fads that are ridiculous or unsafe or just plain weird is the promise of you ate all that turkey at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, just like put these shoes on or put this vibrating belt on for a little while and wipe it all away.
3: Well, sure, because this ties in so much to our episode on New Year's resolutions and thinking about the science of willpower because I think the way that these kinds of fitness fads get us is our flawed way of conceptualizing long-term goals because we look in the mirror, we see where we are, and in our mind's eye, our goal is to be something chiseled and perfect, and I, that's perfect in quotes, some idealized image. And so, of course, all of these things offer you the quick route to that. Because otherwise, you know, if we don't take it in baby steps, it can be incredibly hard to meet fitness goals.
2: Yeah. But we spend so much money on these things every year, not just not just the gadgets and the gizmos, but also supplements and you know diet foods and things that promise to make us a better version of ourselves. That manufacturers are just going to keep making them. Thankfully, though, and we've talked about the FTC, they are here to protect us and take up issue with uh, advertisers' false claims. And I thought this was on um, Lisa Johnson's fitness blog, LisaJohnsonFitness.com. She She has some things to keep in mind when reading those fitness claims, and I think one of them ties in very well to the toning shoes and the Ab Circle Pro in particular, that the models that they hire to be the spokespeople probably didn't get where they are physically by using the product that they're hawking. Yeah. They probably actually went for a run. Or Kim Kardashian was simply blessed with certain genetics that
3: went straight to her butt. And I, I can't. I will never be able to tone my butt en- enough, yeah, to make it look like that.
2: I know. I think it involves lunges or something. No, I think it <laughs> involves <laughs> it involves genetics, genetics. <laughs> to get that that lovely butt. Um, she also recommends keeping in mind. Look, people, results will vary. Don't trust anything that says lose five pounds in a week, lose ten pounds in a week, because if you are losing that much weight, something is desperately wrong.
3: Yeah, it's not, it's not a healthy way to go. Um, but one thing, Caroline, that you looked a little bit deeper into that maybe, I don't know, maybe this could be a little bit of a, a quick, quick route to slimness. Is that a word, slimness? Sure. It's late in the day. Slimicity? <laughs> Slimicity. Uh, electronic muscle stimulators, which apparently have been around in some form or another for a really long time, according to the British Journal of Rheumatology.
2: Yeah, electricity has been used in the treatment of arthritis, in particular since the time of Socrates, using torpedo fish. Those are apparently very special fish. Um, By the 18th century, this has really been in vogue forever. So by the 18th century, electrotherapy was used to treat various illnesses. In 1791, specifically... Luigi Galvani figured out that the leg muscles of a frog twitch when an electric current goes through them. And so people are like, wait a second, muscles, electricity, are we onto something? So go to Reverend John Wesley. He actually speculated, and this is interesting, and I don't know what he means, uh, but he speculated that electric fire... Diluted the minute vessels and capillary passages and separated the clogging particles of stagnating fluids! Hallelujah! That sounds like it gets your, it gets your heart pumping and your blood moving. Well that's a weird way to say it. Get your, well maybe I should be a reverend.
3: Um, well, the interesting thing is is that today there are still electrical muscle stimulators because Luigi Galvani was right on the money in thinking that you can send an electric current to stimulate the leg muscles because when our muscles stimulate, that is a form of uh, an electric current that is in our body naturally. But electric muscle stimulators today are FDA-regulated and intended for use in physical therapy and rehabilitation.
2: Yeah, no... EMS devices, electronic muscle-stimulating devices, have been cleared by the FDA for weight loss or fitness purposes. They will not, people. They will not give you a six-pack.
3: Yeah, even though in the 19th century the kind of electronic muscle stimulants became a fashionable treatment, it became discredited by the mid-19th century. (laughs) So... You know we'll have to move on to that. But what about jiggling belts? The, we still found the and these are the kind of like the glamour stretcher things that we're talking we had talked about yeah. earlier. Um, and I'm jiggling in my seat, well, and so I have one on. When I
2: when I Googled them, I totally expected to find just pictures of you know like ye old timey jiggling belts from the 30s and 40s. Oh no, Kristen, they still exist. Still exist. Yeah, one site that sells them, and I'm not even going to say the site because why would I? Claims that they can develop muscles and improve circulation using vibration therapy. Oh, and this is fascinating,
3: too, uh, in terms of the popularity of jiggling belts and the glamour stretcher and why it would have been marketed specifically to women, so that they didn't have to move around and get all sweaty. Yeah, because that's not feminine. Exactly. So they All they had to do was stand there, so it was an acceptable form of an attempt at weight loss.
2: Yeah, one blogger said that she used to go with her mother when her mother went to, it was some brand name gym, went to the gym to get on the jigg- jiggling belt. And so she just sat there and watched all these women get jiggled around as they smacked their gum in their mouths and said it was not a, not a pretty sight. But these machines were actually pulled from the market after being all the rage in the 60s because apparently hundreds of people developed serious organ complications from it. Getting shaken up like a can of Coke. I have a feeling that the rule about you, uh,
3: you're supposed to wait, what, like an hour after you eat a meal to get, <laughs> get in the water, would definitely apply
2: when it comes to the
3: jiggling Yeah, belts. maybe it's
2: more of a first thing in the morning exercise.
3: So what do we have to look forward to in 2013? Because... Fitness <laughs> fads aren't going anywhere. We still buy into them. That was one thing, though. One bit of scholarship that I dug around for for this podcast, and I could not find, which was some kind of analysis on like the patterns of buying into these things, like w- the marketing, the gendered stuff. And ha, uh, I could, I wasn't coming up with anything.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot of research out there that we found. So, listeners, if you happen to be in that field of research. Yeah, be- maybe
3: hit us up. Right, because there's, there's a lot on, you know, exercise in general because that ties into body politics and, you know, masculinity ideals and all of that. But specifically with these, like the mentality of how we for so long have bought into these essentially like fitness quacks.
2: I, I mean, I really think I, I would, I would theorize that it really goes back to I don't want to exercise, yeah, but I want to look really hot naked. So I'm gonna try the toning shoes or the body blade or the vibrating plate thing that you stand on. I don't get oh, that yeah. one. like I saw one with people doing crunches on it and I tell you, Kristen, I went to that website. If I can't tell what your product does within five seconds of going to your website, it's questionable. I'm buying it just to find out. (laughs)
3: So for 2013, especially for the ladies, uh, the American Academy of Sports Medicine says that strength training and body weight training are expected to be the top fitness trends, especially for women.
2: Yeah, they say that women are particularly attracted to the trend. Since cultural ideas of femininity are gradually focusing on strength over slimness with fitness becoming a priority. So I want to know a year from now, two years from now, are we going back to like the Glamazon, Cindy Crawford aesthetic where we're all like sweaty with headbands and we look all like big and ripped? Big and ripped. As opposed to like the Kate Moss wafiness. Strength versus
3: slimness. Yeah, I think that, I think we're moving a little bit away from, uh, away from waifishness. I better buy some self-tanner. <laughs> but I feel it's just, I feel like it's a pendulum though that for so long is just gonna keep uh, swinging back and forth. And the thing that we need to do a podcast on, Caroline, spoiler alert. Tell me. Is stuff on men's body image. Yeah. Because all of the body image, anxiety, and phobias that for so long was talked about just in relation to younger women, and of course older women as well, but starting with younger women, we're now seeing in big numbers among men as well, including things like uh, eating disorders. Yeah. So things to look forward to on our end in 2013. Um, and uh, yeah, if you, you mentioned that if anyone is in the fitness industry, and can offer us some insight into this. Uh, let us know. Anyone who has bought into any fad, don't be ashamed. No, this, we want to hear your story. This is a shame-free zone. Send us your story. If anyone owns a Shake Weight, I would I would like to know all of these things. Um, or anyone like the blogger you mentioned who remembers going with their parents or grandparents to use an old-timey fitness contraption. That would be fun to hear about as well. You can send us an email at momstuff discovery.com or also find us on Facebook as well and message us there. And we've got a couple of listener letters.
0: This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told
1: You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable.
4: It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends.
3: Well, I've got an email here from Amanda in response to our episode on estrogen and particularly in response to when we brought up the scares behind estrogen replacement and menopause. She says, I know way too much about this topic. As an undergrad, I worked in the lab of Dr. Jill Daniel at Tulane University, and I was tasked with doing vaginal fluid staining on a rat to determine their cycles. Yes, daily pap smears. But to make the story longer, the reason behind her research was to refute the NIH claims that estrogen was harmful. There was a huge error in that NIH study, The median age of the women given estrogen was something like 80 years old, which is about 30 years after menopause would have occurred. Well, 30 years later, your body won't have a clue what to do with estrogen, and it happens to be an incredibly toxic substance. Luckily, women going through mem- menopause are given estrogen as menopause is occurring. Dr. Daniel's lab has found that hormone replacement can stave off signs of aging, memory, and learning, even if for just a short period of time, just after or during menopause. Anyway, I've since moved on to a lab studying graft versus host disease, so to do a podcast on transplants and you'll probably get a very detailed letter on that as well. Can you imagine doing rat pap smears every day? How tiny are the speculums? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Well, if you have any idea how small those rat speculums were, actually don't email us. But if you'd like to talk about anything else, you can send us a letter at momstuff@discovery.com. You can always find us on Facebook. Start a conversation there. Like us while you're at it. You can follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Check out our Tumblr at stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com. And of course, if you would like to get a little bit smarter this week, you know where to go. It's to our website, howstuffworks.com.
1: For more on this
3: and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
5: Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth. How do I grow a teenager in a pandemic? Well, that's exactly what I want to find out. In my new podcast, Go Ask Allie, I'm asking experts to help me answer that question. For example, are quarantine teenage girls more apt to Instagram nude photos? Are they somehow going to end up on the dark web? Are teenagers getting ripped off by their new virtual education? And how do we deal with their overwhelming anxiety and uncertainty? And are they losing empathy? I'll be talking to experts and friends like my friend Brooke Shields. She'll reveal how her complicated sexual upbringing has influenced how she is as a mother to teenage girls. It's a new world and how we raise these young humans in it determine our future. So let's share some real experiences. With all new episodes releasing every other Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. What if I told you that
1: UFOs, haunted houses, and even inexplicable magic tricks are all caused by the same creature? And what if I told you these powerful and ancient beings are meant to be feared? The Hidden Djinn, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Mankey's Grim and Mild explores the legends of these ancient and terrifying creatures. Join me, Rabia Chaudhary, as we step into the world of The Hidden jinn. Listen to The Hidden jinn
5: on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.